Welcome to episode 65 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com. I am Matt Rodriguez, the owner and chief editor of Shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney of last one to leave the theater.com and ATLCW.tv. And we are mostly recovered from last uh, last week's trip to San Diego for Comic-Con. Um, our last podcast we actually recorded after the first day of activities out there, uh, which was a pretty low-key day. A lot of other crazy things uh, happened Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So um, what was y'all's overall um, Comic-Con experience? Your favorite thing that you did? Your overall thoughts? Talk to me about the con. Oh my god, it was so exhausting. I mean, I, I am still recovering from it, but um, it was definitely a good trip, a worthwhile trip. Um, I think I don't know. Had you gone when we when we recorded last week? Had you guys gone on the Blade Runner experience? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, that night. That night yeah. we had. I got to do that, and that was amazing. Um, it was as good as you were describing it. <laughs> Um, the VR whole thing with it was awesome, which like if you're listening now and if you have, I think it's a Gear VR, the Samsung Gear VR, if you own that, um, you can actually check it out yourself. It's online and stuff, so you can download that and check it out. But um, it didn't include, that doesn't include the, the haptic chairs that, you know, move and, you know, you get that vibration. So for an even more immersive experience. Um, can you that, buy the chairs? Is that um, something that a consumer I'm, can buy? I'm sure you could buy a chair that does does the stuff if you're if you're willing to spend the money. I mean, I'm sure you could buy anything <laughs> if you're willing to spend the money. Fair enough. But, Fair uh, enough. But yeah, I mean, like just them recreating the whole world of Blade Runner was just amazing. And you know, they have the actors interacting with you. Like, I think I spent like an hour in the exhibit. Like, you could probably walk through ex- the exhibit in, like, five minutes if you wanted to. But I was just in there for, like, an hour, just chilling. You know, I sat at the... there's like There was, like, this little bar area that they had set up with a, a chef, like an actor chef, who, who was the owner of the bar. And so, like, I just sat there for a little while, and I was talking with him, and, you know, he was talking about his noodles, and, of course, they were promoting Johnny Walker, um... And so, like, he was he was talking about that, how he makes his noodles with Johnny Walker. And every once in a while, like, uh, replicants would come running in and just, you know, causing havoc and stuff. And police would be chasing them. There's, like, there's all these little little nuances that they added to the experience, which was just awesome. Yeah, it really was uh, immersive. It was cool to go from the VR into, like, the full-on environment and... Uh, that's probably one of the uh, the coolest installations or activations that I've seen out at Comic-Con. Um, I heard the noodles were really good. Did you get to try they them? They were. I did get to try them. Um, they were really good. Um, they had two kinds. Like, one of them was actually made with Johnny Walker. And the other one was, like, just this uh, the spicy Szechuan-style noodle. That um, They were both udon noodles. So, like, you know, the thicker, thicker kind. Um, but, yeah, they were really good. That's awesome. When Jen and I went through there, we didn't know that that was a thing that we could do. So we messed yeah. out on the noodles. Well, but. well it was it was just a, a little setup. It was right across from where the, the Johnny Walker tasting was. You know how that oh, was kind of like you know, in the back? 
Yeah, yeah. It was actually um, not not running when we were there then, because mm. whatever was over there was like um, blocked off and closed. Yeah. So that makes me feel slightly better that we didn't <laughs> just miss it. Well, you guys got um, a poster too. I didn't get a poster. Yeah, we got a poster and t-shirt from that, which was pretty cool. I got the we're shirt. All, all about the swag. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I didn't get nothing from it because they rejected me and said I couldn't come. So. No. But but while you while everybody was off doing these wonderful things, I went to some panels that were actually really, really cool. And it was such a wide range. I just stayed in this one panel room for basically six hours. Um, and it was the, I, I felt like I, I got the whole Comic-Con experience because it was such a wide range of panels that that I saw. And I went from a celebrating a one of the great comic book artists of all time, Jack Kirby. That was one panel. Went from that to uh, Stephen Moffat uh, talking about uh, Sherlock, uh, the BBC series. And then I went from that to the women of the WWE who were there to announce that there's a line of Barbie dolls that are uh, based on their characters, um, to a, um, a movie that's coming out uh, called Wonderstruck, which was also a best-selling book. And the guy that wrote the book also wrote the screenplay. And he did an incredible one-hour talk about his experience, uh, both that movie and also making the Martin Scorsese movie uh, that his other book was based on, The, the Cabinet of Hugo Calberry. Um, and then I went from that to uh, uh, Stand Against Evil, and that was a great panel also because th- those guys are just hilarious. So I saw all these panels that were just really cool all in a row, and it was, it was a, an incredible range. Oh, and also... A panel with uh, Bill Plimpton, who is one of the great animators of our time. Um, he makes these incredible movies. Um, he's got a new one coming out um, in the fall. He's playing in film festivals right now. Uh, Matthew Modine was there because uh, he is the producer of the movie. So I got to see all these panels uh, uh, all in a row, and I felt like I'd really experienced Comic-Con just sitting in this one room for six hours. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I didn't get to do any panels the entire time welcome Um, to my world (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's crazy like that's one of the things i noticed like just all the lines and you know the time it takes to do just one thing it's like if i didn't have something scheduled then it was very likely like i wasn't gonna get into much of anything just because of how and that's the amazing yeah it's the amazing thing about it is the hall h uh they literally have open air tents set up for people to camp out and you have to get in line literally the day before like before noon for the panel the next day or else you're not going to make it in um and then even the line for the 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 smaller room uh was uh five to six hours long and so you just you don't sometimes you just don't have the time to 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 be able to do some of that yeah, because, I mean, like, I would have, like, one, two-hour blocks where I wasn't doing anything, but, like, I couldn't do anything because all that time would be spent waiting, and then I'd have my next appointment, so. Yeah, when you have downtime, you go find food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's really, or just, that's really the only or thing just, you can do. Just, just sit there and do nothing. <laughs> just rest <laughs> for a second. Exactly. Well, I, I, went in, I went, in into, went into the vendor hall um, when I had some off time just to, to try to see as much as possible and try to interact as with uh, the vendors and stuff as much as possible because there was so much to see just in that hall. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, I took video of it. Um, 
and uh, I posted it on my uh, Twitter account, uh, last one to leave, um, that it, I just took a, a two-minute section, and literally I covered maybe, I don't know, probably a, a tenth of the haul in that two minutes. Um, and it's just it's just amazing. And how much money is spent by everybody that is there. And it, not, just the, not just the vendors, but also the people that are uh, buying stuff. I mean, we saw people walking around with these humongous bags of, uh, of Funko stuff. I mean, I, you can't believe how big the bags were. Well, I mean, and probably just, like ninety percent of those people are going to resell them, <laughs> right? You know right, that. but 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 still, I mean, just the, I mean, I uh, I personally, I've got a friend that knows somebody that that spent six thousand um, uh, dollars there, uh, wow. just buying uh, stuff. So, and I could have bought. I, I was very careful that I didn't stay in one area too long, especially the where the movie collectible stuff was. Um, that because I knew that I, I'd get tempted to buy some stuff and uh, I you know just couldn't do it with the with just the hotel room and everything else I was paying for so yeah yeah it's a it's an expensive trip for sure um, and a lot of people do go out there to buy the con exclusives and then resell them yeah. like we were talking about with Funko Pops I really wanted to get the Mr. Robot one and I think I'm getting it through a site that I ordered it. There was a couple of sites that were selling the exclusives um, that if you weren't at con, you could get it through, which was helpful because you had to get it in line at like 5.30 in the morning to yeah. get a lottery ticket to and then, go and to the And then you the got to get into another line, yeah, to buy it. Yeah, so it's, it's just like... It's just, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that um, <laughs> Funko set up a, a pop-up shop off off of uh and in, in the area but not in not on the floor um that also people started lining up on monday to just get the lottery ticket that wasn't going to be available until thursday yeah see it's it's just crazy it's uh it's funny because i i don't normally do too much of that stuff when i've gone to con in the past i just stick to the the press rooms and the activations and to the you know the networking events and stuff at night um so it was interesting seeing how funko actually and and a lot of the uh, the collectible booths like handle that sort of thing it's yeah um i probably will just give up on getting exclusive funko pops in the future based on this year's experience <laughs> but um um, I have to say, for me, I think um, my favorite events were definitely, again, Netflix, which I talked about last week, which <laughs> definitely stands out still because the Stranger Things stuff was just so awesome. And the Game of Thrones things that we did the, on The Game Friday. of Thrones thing was amazing. Matt has now which, been featured way, on the Game of Thrones Twitter <laughs> channel. I was, so. I was about to say, he was the, yeah, he was the poster boy for the, the Twitter Game of Thrones Twitter account. That was where's, pretty awesome. Where, where's my residuals? <laughs> they should have tagged you in it. <laughs> yeah, I wish they did. But I'm, I'm just wondering if an agent out there is going, boy, that guy. We we need to sign him. Yeah. <laughs> if if you're looking for a um, a stand-in for Jon Snow, I am available. <laughs> well, they still got another season left to film, yeah. so uh, we'll we'll see. Keep us posted. <laughs> Ireland's not a too, not a shabby place to hang out. No, I'm sure it isn't. Uh, but as far as other events, we went to, um, I guess all of us together managed to uh, go to the NBC party on Saturday night and then the Nat Geo party. Um, Do you guys, you guys enjoy those? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. You know, had a good time. You know, all the, the celebrities like the Midnight Texas, all the, the actors from Midnight Texas were there and just just hanging out. You know, it's like they weren't behind velvet ropes 
They weren't secluded in their own little section. They were just hanging out, and you could just walk up and talk to them and, and stuff like that, which is really cool. Yeah, yep, my, my old my old ATX pal, Ariel Kebble, who's one of the stars of the show, she plays a, um, a bounty hunter on the show. Um, she was there. Um, so it was a lot of fun. And then we hung out with astronauts at the National Geographic um, party. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was a fun night. Um, I'm really glad that we, we all got into that. I, I got to go to the um, Warner Brothers event on Friday night, which was also really awesome. They had a, um, a, like a live band perform for us. They had this guy who was famous for being on one of those reality shows. I don't know if it was America's Got Talent or... One of, one of those shows who did a bunch of science experiments. I wasn't really paying attention because Doug the Pug was there and they kept changing his costume. <laughs> and if you're not pug. familiar with Doug the Pug, he has 2.7 million Instagram followers and he just looks like a really sad pug. And, and <laughs> he just looks really sad all the time. And But he's adorable. And he seemed, I, I don't know, uh, I guess all pugs kind of look sad all the time, but uh, I was really distracted by by him and wasn't actually paying attention to the science stuff that was going on behind us. But um, that was a really fun night too, and um, and of course we all found a really amazing bar, which we might have talked about a little bit last week, uh, the Whiskey House, which you guys shut down multiple nights. <laughs> yes, we did. In fact, we went and drank there while you were cruising with stars on Friday night. Uh, Matt and I hung out there waiting for you guys to show up afterwards. Well, I wish we had a place uh, like that here in Atlanta. It was just a, it's a really cool bar and the, the food was really good. And if you're out in San Diego, I definitely recommend checking out the Whiskey House. Yeah. Um, all of that being said, um, I, we do have an interview this week and we have so many that we did um, last week, but we wanted to start out with a show that is shot here in Atlanta, um, Fox's The Gifted. And I'll let Matt set this up because he was actually in the press room. And this is um, a round table that um, Jen uh, from Fanbolt and Matt and several others were at. Um, so you want to kind of talk us through it, Matt, and tell us a little yeah. bit about the show? So yeah, the show Gifted, it's, um, it's airing on Fox. And it's in within the whole X-Men universe, so it's all about mutants, and particularly um, this one family of mutants, who it's they have ordinary parents, but the kids have mutant abilities, and so they in turn have to go on the run from the government because the government, you know, has been issuing these uh, orders to basically round up all the mutants and. So yeah, so um, the interview we have right now is with uh, Stephen Moyer, uh, Amy Acker, and Kobe Bell, and they all play humans. They, so they're not mutants. Um, Stephen Moyer and Amy Acker—they are the parents who are parents of these gifted children, and so they talk about you know dealing with you know being the parents of people with powers, and then you know how their own parenting plays into their characters and then Kobe Bell is basically he is one of the government agents who is chasing down these mutants so yeah here is our interview with the gifted so please tell us about your characters <laughs> so the show is set in the in the, in the universe of the X-Men um, I am a 
a sort of a high-ranking official in the Sentinel Services, which is the government branch that chases after the after the mutants. So that's what I do. I do a lot of chasing. <laughs> so I, I played Jace Turner. Um, his he was a cop whose daughter was killed in a in a mutant incident. So then he joins the Sentinel Services to sort of try to set that right. I play Caitlin Strucker. I'm the mom, wife of, of this <laughs> lovely gentleman, handsome gentleman, lucky lady I am. Um, and I have two, what we come to find out, are mutant children. And living in this world where guys like this are trying to lock them away, we have and to go on like the this. run. And him, but he's special. <laughs> he loves them. <laughs> I, uh, I am a locker awayer of um, mutants. I, I um, um, One of the things I was just saying that, that's interesting about the world is that the way that it's set up, it's, it's okay for mutants to exist in the world with humans unless they use their powers in a detrimental way. And when that happens, somebody like me, somebody like him arrests them, and then somebody like me comes in and prosecutes and removes them from society and puts them into a center where they are no harm to others or to themselves. Until you find out that your children are mutants and then you run for it. And then I know that, that, that my kids will get put into a detainment center and that there's nothing actually that will be done about it. And I protect my kids and I go on the run. And, and I think what's particularly lovely about what, what our show is, is that it's, it's told from that subterranean place, from underground, from outside the normal society and suddenly this very affluent family have to join that underground world. Do you ever think about the parallels that can be drawn between what's happening on the show and what's happening in American politics right now? I think it would be incredibly difficult to watch our show and not think about that in some respect. And it's fun. And I bloody hope that people watching it do. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah, There's I, I, all sorry. different points of view. So no matter what side of the situation you're on with what you think about what's going on, you know, me, I, I would think all of our hope is maybe by watching the show, you come out on a different, a different side of that. Whoa. And maybe, and, and maybe vote differently. Uh, next election. <laughs> you know, it's a. You got to remember it, what I think. What's important about our show as well, because it's a network show. Um, it's hard to be as forthright with the opinion as you might be able to be in a, on a cable network. It's also a family piece of entertainment, and, and ultimately, we're here to entertain. Uh, if, the, if we can scratch away at the surface of what's really going on in the world at the same time, that's fantastic. But ultimately, our job is to create a piece of entertainment that is fun and dynamic and dramatic and makes people think and has fun effects. A lot of, yeah, a lot of zaps, a lot of booms, a lot of kapows, wax, a lot of food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. 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 Able to cover that. Do you draw on your Absolutely, and I, I absolutely. I think that, that you know, the, us three actually are the only ones on the on the show with children. So uh, he's got four. I've got four. Amy's got two. And so I, th I think it's uh, it's really interesting. I, there is 
I've thought about this, and my, my two oldest kids are exactly the same age as the kids in the show. And there's certainly aspects of it where I would love my family to be able to, my daughter or my son, to be able to, like, when they're being bullied or persecuted by the, you know, by other idiots at school, I'd love them to be able to go, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? Wouldn't we all? Yeah, wouldn't we all? And I think, I think that's why people relate to the show, to, to any, any kind of show where there's superpowers, is you're tapping into that thing that everyone, you know, wishes they could fix right wrongs when the time comes, just be like, you know what? Zap! Because I zap one, of the, one of the questions that we get asked the most, and I've always been asked, and I was asked when I was doing True Blood, is if you could have a superpower, what would it be? You know, we live in a world where that doesn't really exist, but everybody wants that. Everybody everybody sort of dreams of having yeah. that ability to be able to do something to change and we seem to all have a desire to institute that change to implement that change rather you know to to be able to do something about things that we are powerless against and so there you have it um we did more round tables so like uh jamie chung uh emma dermont blair redfield you know, so hopefully we will hear those at a later date. Yeah, that series actually premieres on October 2nd on Fox. Um, on That's a Monday night. So we'll have uh, some more of those interviews coming up closer to premiere date. But I'm excited about that show. It was it, it looks like well, it's good. really good. And it's a great cast. Yeah. And it's got Amy Acker. So I'm going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I take. It's yeah, got no, Stephen like, Moyer. So from... I'll watch. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it looks really good. I'll watch. It's got everybody, so I'll watch. It does. It and yeah, does. and you know, it films it films here in Atlanta, so I mean, definitely gonna be checking out for those local Atlanta landmarks and seeing what we can recognize. Yeah, I gotta support the the local the local film shows. Um, that's cool. We'll have another um, interview from Comic-Con next week, uh, probably either from Supernatural or from Arrow. So um, if you have a preference we'll have in what we cover. we'll interviews. <laughs> we'll have in lots coming, of interviews for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I do want to note, um, because I actually haven't uh, listened to all of the interviews that we, we've got yet, um, those rooms were pretty noisy, so we did the best uh, we could with recording that audio. So bear with us if it's ever um, a, little, a little difficult um, to, to get the, the best sound quality on those. So we do our yeah. best. Those rooms are madness. <laughs> Um, they're, they're not only madness, but also you have no, you get no warning of when people are going to come and sit down and start interviewing you with you. So it, you don't have a lot of time to set things up as for, uh, in the best way possible. And a lot, I had a, I had a deal where uh, at one of the tables I was at, uh, occasionally two people will sit down, but then only one person sit down. But it seemed like every person had sat in a different seat. Um, each time. So mm -hmm. I kept on having to adjust the microphone to which way it was pointed. Uh, yeah. You usually want to go ahead, Matt. Yeah. I was going to say, like, usually at least all the rooms I did in, um, minus the stand against evil one, but, um, they would, they specified, specified. I don't even know what the word I'm talking about. Specified. <laughs> Specified. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I'm still, I'm still recovering. Still, <laughs> still recovering. But they uh, specified which chairs, like, were the talent chairs. 
and everything. Right. But in this case, the very first people we interviewed were two people. And then so both those chairs were open. So the next per everybody else I interviewed at that table, it was a single person. Uh, so they would sit on the left side and then the next person would sit on the right side and the next person, would, you know, just kept moving back and forth. Yeah. So yeah. that's why it was it was funny for one, because there was a moment where um, we thought everybody at the table thought, OK, here they come. So like we all instinctively pull out of recorders, start hitting record, setting everything up. But they walked to the next table over. So it was and like, oh, we all just stopped. It was funny. <laughs> Those rooms are definitely um, they're super, super fast paced. And sometimes um, it's funny because, you know, when we do interviews here in Atlanta, it's normally the three of us and maybe one or two other people at the table. And we're all very kind of respectful of one another and making sure that, you know, if, if someone has a question to ask, we kind of go in order. Everyone gets a turn. Um, Comic-Con rooms are not normally like that. It's normally like uh, just everyone for themselves. And a lot of times you'll have a person that's trying to dominate the table and ask all the questions. Or my the, the one that really freaks me out is when you have a show that you're covering that you don't watch and neither does anyone else at your table. And then you're like, oh, God, <laughs> no one knows what to ask because you know you sat down um hoping that the other people at the table um were a little bit more up to date on the show <laughs> than you um i know this but happened we actually, i was gonna say this we, we actually have that sorry i was Go i was gonna say that happened to jen um because they actually sometimes they combine rooms so she was covering stitchers for freeform and they also had shadow hunters in that room too and she's never seen an episode of shadow hunters um so she ended up looking out in that room but uh it's not uncommon um cbs does that a lot with their shows they would have like person of interest and rain in the same room and you're you're covering you know i would be there to cover rain and i'd never seen an episode of person of interest um so those those situations can be kind of stressful from a, a press perspective it's well not only we had we had a situation where we had a person sit down. We didn't know who they were because they haven't been on the show yet. They haven't even shot an episode yet. They don't appear until the third episode. So we didn't know who this person was or what she was playing or anything. That's always like, great, too. And the actors don't know either. Um, we had a press room a couple of years ago. I want to say it was like 666 or Apartment 666. Um, Terry O'Quinn uh, from Lost was the, the male lead in it. And Vanessa Williams was the female lead in it. And they'd only shot the pilot. And that was like a year ago and they it had been so long they couldn't really remember any of the details from set and they hadn't even read the, the script for episode two um needless to say i think that that series got canceled before it even um did a full season run um maybe it got a full season in um but those rooms it's like well, well you know you're asking questions and they they truly don't know how to answer the questions because they either don't know or they don't remember. And it's just, uh, it makes for a really interesting conversation. I started talking to yeah. Terry about Lost because I was like, I don't know nice. what else to do. But And this per this actress, um, she had just literally met the cast at Comic-Con. So she hadn't even been to the set or anything, even though they'd already shot like two episodes. So that's her first introduction to the rest of the cast was at Comic-Con. Mm. Well, that's I mean, a good it, uh, first experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also, you know, the whole, you know, like Arrow and the Flash where they just they literally can't talk about anything. So you're just like, um, what do I ask you? Because you can't say anything about the upcoming season or whatever, because everything is a spoiler. 
Yeah, it's uh, usually in those kind of situations I go in and I'm just like, all right, so like, what can you talk about? Like, I'm sure you've been given talking points. You know what you can't talk about, like, and just kind of almost let them start off the conversation with how, you know, they can guide it and what they can talk about. Because that is like so aggravating at that point. You know, they either have only shot one episode or they haven't started filming yet or they can't talk about anything. And it's um, those rooms can be a little bit of a challenge, too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll have more Comic-Con coverage to come in the coming weeks. Uh, but for now, let's, that, was, uh, that was some nice alliteration right there. Thank you. I'm <laughs> doing what I can. I think the the sleep deprivation from Comic-Con has made me a lot, uh, it, it's made me better with words. At least that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> so, um, Anyways, moving right along to our uh, box office report for the weekend. We actually skipped this last week, so um, uh, let's. Uh, we didn't make our predictions for uh, what was going to do well last week, but Dunkirk did come in first with fifty million, followed by Girls Trip at number two with thirty-one million, and Spider-Man: Homecoming in third with twenty-two million. Um, what, what do you guys think about this? Is this kind of what you anticipated? Yeah. Well, I, I think I, I think Dunkirk. I was thinking around forty-five, but I was not thinking uh, that Girls Trip would do thirty-one. And I also didn't. I didn't think. I didn't see the film because it was a, they uh, they aired it for critics uh, on the night before we were going to go uh, to Comic Con, and I had so much other stuff to do that I just couldn't make the movie. But also, it's getting great reviews and. Um, that's that was amazing. And then the other thing is the one you didn't mention, which is the big bomb of the oh, week is yes. Valerian in the city of a thousand planets, which did only 17 million. Now, it is doing great. Uh, uh, it's prediction that it's going to be the number one film in France because it's the 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 comic book that it's based on is extremely popular in France. So French comic. Uh, but for it to only do 17 million, because it's the it's the costliest film ever made in France. It's a um, budget of 177 million for production. Yeah, but actually in if you do, if you take the European uh, uh, cost, it's actually over 200 million. Um, in in uh, and so it's the costliest film that ever made in France, Luke Benson, and it it may uh, Luke Benson's uh, production company uh, released it Europa. And it may actually cause his company to fold because I've already lost a ton of money this year with, on some other films. Um, and if it takes a, a big hit uh, like it's doing right here in the States, then he could be out of the company. Well, um, I didn't see that one, so I, I can't really speak too much to if it was good or not. You guys saw it, though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. we did. I mean, it's, unfortunately, it's, it's a beautiful film, but it's the story is pretty terrible. So. And, and for what, and for what I understand, talking to uh, a friend of ours who's big into comic books, Ed, um, who used to write for um, uh, Creative Loafing here in Atlanta, um, he said that the that they totally changed the relationship between the two uh, the two principal uh, actor not actors but the two principal characters in the film, and he said that's going to upset a lot of people, a lot of comic book fans. Um, just because they changed this 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 big uh, the, the relationship between the two main characters. Gotcha. 
Um, while I wasn't too surprised that Dunkirk came in, in first, were you guys surprised at all by how much it made or was that kind of what you guys expected? I was thinking 45, so it did a little better than I thought it was going to do. Um, I would say I was pretty – I mean, I knew it would be number one. Easy. Um, I mean, 50 seems reasonable from what I was expecting. But for girls trip to be number two and get thirty one million, um, and that's that's and that's a, that's only I said two thousand six hundred theaters too. I mean, that's honestly that's that's kind of expected because I mean it was getting great reviews beforehand, so I figured it was going to be probably either two or three. Um, see, I thought I thought that Spider Man would beat it. No, nah, because see, Malcolm D Lee is he he's he hasn't lost he hasn't made a bad film. You know, all his films have been profitable. Um, and he is just getting up and up, up and coming, you know, um, you know, he does the best man series. He's done the barbershop. So like he's, he's kind of flown under the radar, but I think with girls trip, he's definitely gonna get some, the recognition he deserves. Well, um, what is, uh, do you guys have any predictions for, for next week? Of course, we have Atomic Blonde that's coming out today, or will be today when you guys listen to this, um, coming out this Friday, uh, July 28th. Um, well, you're, and you're missing the big one. What's the big one? What am I missing? The Emoji Movie. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's going to be just pure crap, just like the crap emoji <laughs> that they, they are using <laughs> to promote it. Um, but Patrick Stewart but is, will, is uh, voicing. But it will do crazy well in the theaters, I bet. I, see, I don't think it will. I, I don't think it will because it, it's not an established brand other than the fact that people know about emojis. Neither was uh, so Baby, Boss Baby. I know, but that was it. there's a lot of more movies out that are high quality right now. Not animated. I'd, I'd, so what do you think and what are you predicting, Matt? Because I bet your prediction and my prediction are going to be vastly different. I mean, I could say, see, like 70, 70 million. Yeah, see, I think it's going to be much lower than that. I think it's going to be around 30 to 35 million. I'm making Emma, note of this, Emma, so I remember. Uh, I haven't seen it. Um, I I don't think we it's going to We haven't seen it either. They well. didn't screen it for critics here in Atlanta. Which well, ought to tell you something. Yeah, that uh, they know. They know we're not going to not going to go for see, it. I I am I'll not say saying it's going to be a good movie. I'm not saying it's going to be a good movie. I am pretty sure it's going to be a terrible movie. But <laughs> it will be. It will do well in theaters. I think. What about Atomic Blonde? Where do you guys think that's going to fall? Uh, I'm going to say, I think the lower 20s. Yeah, I was going to say around 20. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, So you guys kind of think that's going to be in second or third? Yeah, I think I think Dunkirk's going to have legs uh, because it is such a good movie and because it is uh, the words getting out that you need to see it in the theater as opposed to uh, see it uh, on, you know, on on your TV or on your computer. Uh, And a lot of it has to do with the soundtrack. You really want to hear you want to hear this movie as well as see it. Um, So I think Dunkirk will come in second. I think he's got I think he's got legs. um, And I think also there's going to be some Oscar buzz about it. So I think it's going to be in theaters for for a while. Well, we will, we'll see next week. Um, but transitioning on into our film review portion, where we all saw um, Atomic Blonde this week. Mike actually saw it for his second time because he saw it at South by Southwest. 
Um, which one of you want to set up the uh, the plot, the storyline of Atomic Blonde? I'll, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> um, so this film takes place uh, right before the Berlin Wall fell. Um, and so uh, Lorraine, which uh, is played by Charlize Theron, is an undercover MI6 agent. And she sent to Berlin and specifically to go over to the communist side to find a fellow agent played by James McAvoy and recover a missing list of double agents. And everybody literally in the world uh, is looking for this list. And uh, so she's on this adventure and she kicks some butt along the way and kills a few people also. Just a few. Um, well, uh, let's get started with um, boredom factor. Uh, one to five. How bored were you guys? Well, do I want to kick this off or should Mike? <laughs> because see, we, we, we have differing, like it as, differing opinions. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, you, I thought it was good. Um, but yes. But I loved it. So I would give it a three for boredom factor. I The action scenes are amazing. The action scenes are top notch. They are wonderful. But the story is just, it's so bland, I felt. Um, it's all over the place. I didn't care about any of the characters or whatever. And it's like, there are so many twists and turns because it's, and it follows, I would say it's pretty stereotypical, you know, spy story. You know, there's double crosses, triple crosses, all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, okay. Where are these action sequences? You know, like the action is good. The um, the music is good. But I felt a lot of the times that the music was just, you know, covering up for lack of story and for lack of what was happening on screen. Cause when the, mu- the music doesn't happen during the action sequences, it happens during when she's walking down the street or whatever. And you're just like, yeah, this music is really pumping me up. But like there's nothing happening on screen. It's a build-up. So, it was a build-up action but like, sequence. <laughs> but I mean, like, I think every single action sequence is in the trailers. Like, I rewatched the trailers, and like, bits and pieces of every action sequence were in the trailers. And it's like I just wanted more. I was expecting more from it. And I guess part that's on my own expectations of it. I guess that's- you know. I'd, having seen this movie twice, I loved it even more the second time than I did the first time. Um, I love the look, the feel of this movie. Um, Charlize Theron is amazing in this film. She did 95% of the fight sequences, which is unheard of, especially a star of her stature. She also broke a couple of teeth on doing one of the fights. And she said, when I saw her at South by... Um, after the movie, uh, when she was in doing the Q&A, she said that in one sequence, there's some blood that's actually her own blood, not and it's not fake. <laughs> She's just amazing in this film. I loved I loved the look of it. I loved the music. Um, I will confess, though, that um, my big, I guess, music uh, time is the 80s. So the, all that 80s music was just I just loved it. Um, I felt it fit the movie perfectly. Um, it's a. I love the story and I love the twists and turns because first time I saw it, it, I did. It did keep me guessing on a couple of times, um, and the the action sequences are just amazing. Um, and what I love about it is the fact there's one action sequence near, fairly nearly in the movie, where she and this other guy are just 
beating the crap out of each other. And at one point, neither one of them can stand up because they're so they're just so beaten up. And I love the fact I, I you know, it's not a superhuman uh, movie. It's not a superhero movie where the person takes a punch like The Rock always does and doesn't get affected by it. This is a movie where she you literally you literally see the toll it takes on her body. Right. Yeah. I mean, that I, action sequence was cool. Was the best. So I definitely I mean, think the uh, the action, like like you guys said, uh, was amazing. The choreography of all of that, how it was shot, was was really incredible, and just the visuals of the film, everything about it, the the coloring. Um, I just I loved the visual style of it. Um, I did feel like the plot was almost a little like overwritten. Um, but I didn't, I, I was still thoroughly entertained. Like I'd, I'd give it a, a one for boredom factor. I wasn't bored. I mean, the music alone, like I, I've got to get that soundtrack. Um, that kind of kept me going between the action sequences. So I liked it. I thought it was, um, I think there's the potential if it does well for like a, a franchise. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. I, you can't really compare it to like John Wick, but I almost feel like it's a, I mean, the, the same kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's for it's, with a female, I'd say it's more, she's the female Jason Bourne minus the shaky cam. Fair because, enough. Because, you know, she's utilizing everything in her environment. She's, you know, it's all this spy and kind of this undercover. Well, Stuff. Yeah, and, that, and that's the reason why you have the shaking can because it's not all yeah. Matt Damon no. doing the fighting. Where you didn't have to resort to shaky cam because she was doing yeah. all the fighting, so you didn't have to have a double and, and hide that fact. Yeah, I mean, no, I am I am agreeing with you that Charlize Theron is amazing in this film. She is fantastic; like she sells the film, but it's just a terrible story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just I dis- something I was missing for Matt. I disagree. Um, but moving along to, to eye rolling factor, um, were you guys rolling your eyes? Uh, a little less often. I'd probably give it like a one and a half. Yeah, I'd give it a uh, one. Yeah, for I mean, there's, eye a, I mean, there's a little bit just be, I mean, because she does some amazing things with. I mean, that whole chase sequence uh, at the fairly early on with the with the cars and she holds onto the seatbelt and stuff. That's true. I, I, I always I roll that a little bit of that. Uh, but it's still it's still a the action the fight sequences are are so believable. That's the cool thing about it. No, I totally agree. I feel like it's one of those things like you were rolling your eyes more at the like the oh of course she can do that because she can do all this other stuff too. It's not so much in like being annoyed or um, like disbelief. It's more like oh well of course she can do that too um, because she is so believable at it. Uh, well, I think for best performance, at least for me, I feel like, I mean, of course, it's Charlize. Like, who, yeah. who else would you give it to? Like, I mean, there's yeah, no one else you would give it to. No, there's no one else. But but this this film does have some great support. I mean, first you got James McAvoy. Um, Eddie Marson uh, is uh, the guy that they're all trying to find. Um, the spy that's got the list. Uh, John Goodman and Toby Jones are hilarious. They're doing they basically the film opens up with uh, with them interrogating her uh, to tell the story about what happened in in Berlin. So there's some really cool supporting actors. Um, Goodman's hilarious in it. He's just it's, there's some really cool sequences with him uh, doing the interrogation. See, I'm going to disagree with you again on that one. <laughs> ah, boy, <laughs> I thought Goodman was the my, 
he's gonna be my uh, my least favorite. Um, really? Yeah, I I thought he was so underutilized and like, cause yeah, all he's doing is interrogating her, and then you know he's in a couple more scenes, but it's like I really wanted more Goodman. I thought more of the hilarious scenes were with um, Toby Jones, because usually, cause they would do the the quick quick cuts to because she's basically telling the story of what went down in Berlin to them, so the interview. And so they'll fly, flash back basically to her kicking ass, and then all of a sudden it's a quick cut, and it's like Toby Jones's reaction. So yeah, it's I thought it was more. I, him. I, I like both of them. I like both of them equally well. Um, I'm going to give as far as the worst actor, I'm going to give it to uh, Sophia Botella, who plays the French uh, spy. That's what um, I was going to say. Yeah, same here. I mean, I just she was. I don't know. She just didn't do it for me. Um, I thought she was fine yeah, in the role. The role itself was ridiculous. That was where most of the eye rolling came from for me. But I thought she was fine in that role. Yeah. Well, we're just disagreeing all over the place, man. No. <laughs> well, obviously, there is no ATL recognition factor for this although, one at all. Although I will say there is a there's a car roll that happened in this movie that also happened in Captain America Civil War the same car roll it was the same location <laughs> you know where where mike was saying earlier where she grabs a seatbelt and oh that was yeah. the same yep. gotcha. you know tunnel area which i i forget where it is it's it's not atlanta but uh, well they shot it uh, they shot this film in germany and london hungary and in london also yeah, yeah so probably london i don't know i would assume but um well, cool. Um, so overall, on the official Atlas scale, what would you give Atomic Blonde? I'm giving it an ATL. Just oh, three. Three. Wow. Ooh. It's not a bad score. It's right in the middle. <laughs> it's a good It's a good movie, but it's not great. I wanted more from it. You know, I wanted more action. I, I wanted... I think you got plenty of action in this film. So I disagree. I'd give it an Atla. Well, I'm going to give it an outlaw. So four out of five for me. I I really enjoyed it and I thought it was it was fun. I would agree that it's not like a great movie, but I think it's yeah. really good and it's entertaining no, but and it's it's, it's, it's fun. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like John Wick. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. John Wick, both John Wick, you know, the John Wick movies are not great movies, but they're a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. But John Wick was more action, I would say. <sighs> We're Maybe. gonna have to disagree. Really, <laughs> we're just gonna have to disagree. John Rick is like ninety-five percent action. Like there is little All story. Right. The first one, at let's, least. Let's, the first one. Let's go to let's go to a movie that has no action whatsoever. <laughs> what movie? <laughs> That's the transition about? to. Mike yes. really wanted to mention the ghost story or a ghost story, which we've briefly talked about a little over the couple couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, let's, this is one we m- both can agree on. <laughs> Mike has a yeah, rant for this one. Well, I th- I do because first off, if this is Casey Affleck's first role after winning an Academy Award in a great performance by uh, Manchester by the Sea, and he and he then chooses to do this movie where ninety percent of the film he's got a white sheet with two eye holes cut out, doesn't say anything, and barely moves for the whole film. The whole film. Yeah. I well, mean. yeah. 
And then, and then we have a sequence in this film where Rooney Mara gets a pie, sits down on the floor, and for nine minutes eats the pie, the whole pie. That's all the scene is with the ghost over in the corner watching her eat a pie for nine minutes. Yeah. What kind of pie was it? Was it apple pie? I think it was like a vegan uh, chocolate pie. Wow. It was something weird. It was something <laughs> weird. Yeah. Which, by the way, Runa Mary had never eaten a pie before. She ate that one. I can't believe that she made it through her entire life without having a slice of pie. Like, that's just like some sort of pie. Pumpkin that's pie, pecan pie, apple pie. It is yeah. sad. I feel sad for her. Of course she wanted to eat the whole thing, Mike. She's never had pie before. <laughs> I, and I can't, I can't believe somebody made this film. And not only that, I can't believe that some critics out there are, are saying this is one of the best films of the year. I get it. I get what the, the film was trying to do, but I'm not a fan of it. It's like Tree of Life. Except I don't get Tree of Life. It, it's right up there with Tree of but, Life. It is right up there with Tree of Life. I would put, There's absolutely nothing happens in this film whatsoever. Mm. And at one point, at one point, the ghost goes back in time and watches a pioneer family get massacred by Indians. Yeah, see, that was the most interesting thing to me. <laughs> Because you don't know what happens when you die. You might be able. You it, can yeah, totally time travel. Like, maybe it, <laughs> it's based, it's 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 like Arrival. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen Arrival, but you should have seen Arrival by now. You know where I guess time is like this circular thing, where because like, right. you know, basically the ghost is conformed to this location of where the house is, and so like he goes almost in a circular path where he'll go back in time to where the first house first came up was built and stuff so like it tried to do some interesting things towards the end but but still it was, it was too little like, oh too late God. well um so i guess that's out that's out in atlanta this friday right yeah yes it comes out okay. in atlanta friday um it's it's they're doing a slow release i don't know if it's some of the other what other cities it's already been playing in la and new york all right. Well, uh, based on y'all's raving reviews of it, uh, those, those are your choices for this weekend. <laughs> Unless you like watching people eat pie, don't go see it. <laughs> um, but we do have a couple of things that we want to tease that are upcoming. Of course, um, Comic Cosplay is going to be August 7th. Our our theme is going to be Game of Thrones um, since we, we only have five episodes of Game of Thrones left. Like, how depressing is that? Like, Seven episodes I, this I season. I have plenty more left. Yeah, make them <laughs> last, Matt. Three. Make them last. <laughs> um, but we have that indicator at uh, the Comet Pub and Lanes on August 7th at 8 o'clock. And then, of course, Project Cosplay, which happened here while we were um, at Comic-Con. But next month, we're actually going to do a Dragon Con theme. So it's going to be last-minute costumes for Dragon Con, and it'll be Awesome Madness on August 17th at 9 p.m. at Joystick Game Bar on Edgewood. And our reviews for next week will be uh, The Dark Tower, and kidnap so that's that's our lineup for next week plus a surprise comic-con interview for something that i go through that sounds cool that i think you guys would like so there's that (laughs) um uh, but that is it for us this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, this is the Atlas Podcast, and my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the Owner-in-Chief Editor of ShakeFire.com. 
And I'm Mike McKinney at last one to leave the theater.com and ATLCW.TV. And I don't want to watch anybody ever eat pie again. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys next week.